So I got thinking. <laughs> it's always dangerous when I start with a statement like that. Uh, the miracle, and we use the big things we always think need to happen out there. Can I just tell you something where most of the big things need to happen? Right here and right here changes how we perceive everything out there, which is really kind of, kind of where we're going. So I want to begin with kind of a, well, for me, it was a deep question. That might not be a deep one for you. Have you ever thought about how you think about God? Have you ever given thought to, I mean, just paused and just think about how I perceive how I view God, which then kind of drives then how I treat God. So getting ready for this series, that was one of the thoughts that went through my mind, and I don't know if it's a good analogy or not, but ready or not, here it comes. The, the analogy that came to my mind is some oftentimes, probably often I treat God like a book, his book. And so when I have the book open, uh, I know God is with me, I mean right there. And when I close the book, then I'm pretty much on my own, right? I mean, I consciously, I, I kind of, you know, I get God out, and then I, and then I put God away, and then I go about my daily life as if he's not anywhere in sight. Of course, there's a big problem with that, right? It's not true, right? It's not, it's not reality. And uh, there's another big problem with it that actually someone else helped me to see. So on this past uh, Friday, I'm talking to somebody about this question, and actually I was kind of in a sneaky way, getting him to help me figure out how to start the sermon. Um, and one of the things he said to me that I, I didn't even catch was, well, you know what the problem with that is? <laughs> and I said, what? He said, well, that means I'm in control. That means God's presence depends on me. Right? That means if I do the right things, then, or if I don't do the wrong things, then God will be present. That leaves me in charge which, of course, is also wrong, right? Not true, right? Because God is present. God is sovereign. He is not in any way dependent upon me, you, or anyone, or anything else, right? We, on the other hand, are more dependent upon him than we know. That's reality. So... Um, the point of this series is it's called I Am Emmanuel, and our goal is we want um, want to help all of us realize more often or more regularly the reality of God's presence, and not only the reality of his presence in general, but how intimate that presence is with us, because it's easy to get distracted from that reality, and there's something that happens in your life when somehow we're more mindful that God is, is with us. So um, like we said earlier uh, in the hosting video, so how we hope to get there is to follow the story of Israel from their bondage, their slavery in Egypt, to their freedom in the promised land, which is kind of in a way a great analogy of what you and I experience when we go from this sort of treating God like a book to realizing more consistently that he's with me more intimately than I know. We're gonna go from a sort of a bondage uh, to this freedom, and so we'll kind of, we'll get to that. So let me take you to the, to the beginning of, of the story. Uh, so uh, the people of Israel, that is the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, they end up in Egypt because of a famine, 
and how they got there is, you can read that at the end of Genesis, the story of Joseph. Anybody seen the movies, Joseph and the Coat of Many Colors? Or you maybe you read that story, right? That's how they got there. It's a fascinating and wonderful story. But they end up there, and they end up being there for some 400 years. While they're there, um, they multiply in numbers. In Exodus chapter 1, we're told that the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous, which is exactly what God promised Abraham would would happen many, 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 many years before this. But what was a promise kept for Abraham became a threat for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Because there were so many of them, he began to fear them. And in order to keep them under his thumb, he enslaved them in a cruel, harsh kind of slavery. What happened was Pharaoh's plan kind of, kind of backfired on him, right? So what happened was the more the king of Egypt oppressed um, Israel, the more they multiplied. And the more they multiplied, the more he oppressed them. And the more he oppressed them, the more they multiplied to the point that Pharaoh finally issued what we would call in America an executive order, right? And the executive order reads like this, quote, every Israelite boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile River. Kill the baby boys. One little boy was saved. His name was Moses. In fact, his name means drawn out of the water, which is what happened, right? So Pharaoh's daughter finds him in the Nile. Moses ends up growing up in Pharaoh's palace, right? And when Moses turns 40, he kind of jumps the gun on wanting to save his people. And so he took action, he kills an Egyptian, and I don't know what's going through Moses' mind, maybe he's a vigilante sort of thing. We're told later in the book of Acts that, that some think that Moses thought he could maybe start a coup, right, an uprising of Israelites so they could kind of have a war and, and get on out of there, but that's not what happened, right? Instead, things go wrong for Moses, and he ends up running away. He spends the next 40 years, if you do the math, he's now 80, right, 40 years tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, until God shows up in a burning bush. And after a rather heated debate, pun intended, get it? Heated, burning bush, right? After a rather heated debate between God and Moses, right, you know, if you ever want to argue with God, guess who's going to win the argument sooner or later? God's going to win the argument, so Moses heads back for Egypt. And so we're going to pause there in the story for now. What I want to take you to is, the, is, is what's at the heart of what God said to Moses, right? So he said, he said this, the Lord said, I've, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So here's what I'd like to do. So I'd like to... Um, Back up. There you go. Is a, there are clues in here as to how close God is to the people of Israel, right? So l- I'm going to read through it again. I'll kind of pause at those words that indicate his closeness, right? The Lord said, I have indeed seen, right? They're seeing, seeing the misery of my people in Egypt. I have, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned 
about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. If you put the clues together, here's what God is saying to his people. I see you. Isn't it true that when you're going through something that's really hard and you're wondering where in the world God is, here's where he is. I, I see you. And I hear you. I understand you. I'm glad to be with you right in the middle of what you're going through. And I can do something about this situation. This was not just for them then. This is for us now. You and I know the one who fulfilled those words. When I was thinking about this, my mind went to Matthew chapter 1, where the angel is talking to Joseph, who's wondering if he should get married to this woman who's pregnant. And one of the things the angel says to her, she, Mary, will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then the gospel writer explains, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means quite literally God with us. Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is God's way of saying to you and me, I see you. I hear you. I understand you more than you know. Right? I'm concerned about you. In other words, I'm glad to be right with you where you are. And I can do something about whatever it is you might be going through. That's how close God is to you and to me. So one of the ways we want to try to um, help, um, help us um, understand that more clearly and even experience it is what's called Emmanuel journaling. And Emmanuel journaling is somewhat like the encounter between Moses and God. So several years ago, um, when our, my son Michael was ordained, I, I got to do the message and... and uh, the theme was uh, keep the conversation going. And what I based it on was uh, what caught my eye was if you read through Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and you would count up how many times it says God said to Moses, Moses said to God, and God said to Moses, and Moses said to God, over 200 times they're in this conversation with each other. That's the kind of conversation God would like to have with us. And when we're in a consistent conversation with God like that, The reality of his presence goes far beyond this ideal that is just everywhere all the time. No, he's in your world. He's present in your life, right? So I'm gonna show, we're gonna look at a short video um, where Darren and Lynn talk about um, this Emmanuel journaling and and what it's all about. Well, hello, I'm Pastor Darren. And I'm Lynn Javen. And we're excited to share with you some things that we're discovering about how to have a closer relationship with this God who loves us so much and is glad to be with us right where we're at. And so we'd like to share with you a couple of exercises that we've learned. The first is interactive gratitude. 
And a part of the interactive gratitude is Emmanuel journaling. And in that is what we call thought rhyming. And there's five things that you can do to help you get ready to thought rhyme with God. And it's, you want to hear him say, I see you, I hear you, I know this is a difficult situation for you, I'm glad to be with you, and I can do something for you in this situation. So tell us about interactive gratitude, Darren. I'd love to. I'm going to share an experience that I had so you can practice this uh, as well on your own. And you simply think of a time when you felt like you were close to God and remember that experience and try to stay in that experience for about five minutes. And as you remember that experience, remember how your body felt. Maybe it feels uh, warmth on your skin from the sun or the way your muscles felt when you were moving, whatever it would be. You remember that because it connects everything together, body, mind, and spirit. And then after you've uh, gone through that process, you listen for what God was trying to tell you in that. So an example of one of my interactive gratitudes is I recall the time when I felt close to God, which was when my granddaughter, Hope, mm. was holding on to my cross necklace, and uh, she had fallen asleep, and she had curled her head up underneath my chin. And I felt so close to her because it just felt like this was the most sweetest person in the entire world, and I got the ability to hang on to her. And as I thought about that, I thanked God for the opportunity to be a grandfather. And then I listened for what God would want to tell me in that. And I heard him say, this is the way that I see you. Mm -hmm. You can curl up with me. I love you. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of what interactive gratitude is. And it brings us so much closer to the great, glad to be with you, I love you presence of God. Um, so the second part of Emmanuel journaling is thought rhyming. And Darren talked about the interactive gratitude that kind of gets you into a good mode of being appreciative of God. Thought rhyming is being able to take a few seconds, take a breather, um, and just realize that God is with you, whether you're, feelings, or whether you're feeling that way or not. The difference between traditional journaling and manual journaling is that traditional journaling is basically, we do all the talking to God. Thought rhyming helps us realize that God wants to be a part of the conversation. So there's five things that happen during uh, thought rhyming that kind of get us into the relational mode with God. And they're great things to think about and, and get your mind and body ready. So the five things are is I can see you, I can hear you, I know this is difficult for you, I'm glad to be with you, and I, will, I can do something for you in this situation. So an example would be I can see you. So if you're in a, um, you're ready to journal and you're, and you're writing, you're writing, writing, and you might be, you're going to hear God say, I can see that you're nervous, or I can see that you're scared because of the situation you just went through. I can hear your heart beating fast. I can hear your inner voice that has anger or maybe a scared feeling to it. I know this is difficult for you. God knows us the best, right? He created us. He knows our history. And he knows how we're going to react to things. So he's just saying, it's okay. I know how you're going to react to this. I know this is difficult for you. I've been with you through everything else. And then he'll say, I'm glad to be with you. And that's just what Darren's been talking about is our God is so glad to be with us, whether we're in a high joy situation or a, high, or a low joy situation where we're scared or afraid or have dis despair or whatever. And then um, at the end, he's going to um, say, I can do something for you. And when you're writing, I write it out um, because I want to see what he's saying to me or what I think he's saying to me. And he might give you an example of... I'm going to bring you peace in the situation. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so he's going to... And you, then you know those words are of, of God. Because I've had some people ask me, well, how do you know it's God talking to you? And um, this is the, the, one of the other important parts of Emmanuel journaling is sharing your stories with people. 
people that you have a bond with, um, two to three bond is great, they say in Life Model, because then when you're reading your entries or you're speaking your stories to people, they can look at you and say, um, I'm not so sure that's what God would say to you. If it's degrading yourself or if it's degrading somebody else or you're, uh, you just know it's not a loving God that would say that to you. And they might be able to point out that, um, I'm not sure that's what God would say to you, but keep doing it because it's going to feel a little awkward at first, but he's going to help you understand and hear his voice of what he wants to tell you. And when we share that, that's what actually helps us uh, to get a little bit stronger connection with God. It's when we have these tri-bonds uh, mm -hmm. with people mm -hmm. so that, that we know that we're not alone and we actually belong to a people who belong to God. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a lot of stuff for us to tell you. We know that, mm -hmm. and uh, this is a journey, and it's something yep. that, like I said, we would not be sharing this with you if it did not transform us as people ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we would love to have that happen uh, in your life as well. And it all starts with understanding that we have a God who is glad to be with us and whose loving attachment can never be taken away. Try bonds, interactive gratitude, right? Um, thought rhyming, it all kind of all sound like a foreign language, doesn't it? You know what, can I, can I expose something to you? Do you know that we do? We do that almost all the time. Have you ever related a story to someone about something you saw? Um, Grand Canyon, right? Theme park, meaningful meal around a table, and a few days later, you're relating the story to someone you know, right? This Emmanuel journaling just takes that another step further. So instead of us just relating it to that person, uh, is, and this is about relating that to God, right? And then, and then pausing, and here's where we have a problem. We don't know how to pause. We don't like quiet. And for some of us, right, in some seasons of life, it's hard, right, Helen, Sarah, for there to be quiet. Quiet, right, Brandon and Jen? Right, you'd crave quiet moments, but those moments where you actually can listen. And I want to uh, do two things. One is, there is something that um, is hard to explain that happens when you actually write out a, like, kind of like writing a letter to God, right? And then pausing for a moment and imagining how might God respond to what I just wrote, right? And then writing out what you imagine God would do. There's something very meaningful it happens and you begin to sense just how close God is to you and how intimately he wants to interact with you about your life and where it is and where it's headed, right? So the last thing I wanna do is I wanna share with you, um, so at the risk of getting a little too personal, um, what I, this is my interactive gratitude um, just a couple days ago, we're all on a journey. I mean, I'm just learning. About, I've, I'm a journaler, so I've, done, I've written lots of stuff to God. I got spiral-bound notebooks galore, right? I've, I don't go back to them. I maybe should, but I'm afraid to. Um, but I've never paused long enough to say, well, how might, what, God might, what might God say to me about what I just wrote down? So let me just, this a couple days ago, um, I wrote to God, uh, Heavenly Father, I am grateful for this season we have with Ryan. Uh, Ryan is our nephew who's um, staying with us for a while. I'm grateful and fearful at the same time, wanting to push him and challenge him, and fearful he will not rise to the occasion and seize the moment uh, you are providing for him. We thank you, uh, thank you that you would trust Sheila and I with this child of yours. And after I wrote that down, I just paused and, and reflected on that. Um, and I can, anyway, 
Uh, when I responded, I, I imagined if God were to say something to me about that, I think he would say something like this. My dear child, it is not by accident that this young man is in your home for this season. Your home is his launching pad. Your love and influence are my instruments so that he might know both that he is my beloved son and that there is in store for him a future that would not have otherwise happened. Now, I'm not going to tell you that's Holy Spirit inspired, but I needed to hear that, right? I needed my anxiety to come down, and that's exactly what happened. I just felt this peace that what's happening is what's supposed to happen right now. And in that moment, even right now as I read it, God is closer to you and me than you think. And he so wants us to realize it. Amen? Invite the worship team to come on up. Um, as they come forward, there is these little stickers um, on those same tables where the Ukraine, and it's those five phrases that we want you to get really, really familiar with. Even, even simply getting familiar with each of these phrases, realizing this is, the, this is what God is saying to me because this is, comes right out of the scripture, um, helps you to go and stick it on your coffee mug or your soft drink, whatever, and put it on your dash of your car uh, so that you can be mindful of that. All right, let's stand. All right, let, let's bless one another. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and in your going, in your crying and in your laughing, God is with you and God is for you. And he blesses and he keeps you. He makes his face to shine on you. He's gracious to you. He looks upon you with his favor to grant you his peace. Amen. Our closing song.